This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, our mission to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, I have updates for you on the economy and coronavirus. I'm also going to talk about something I miss so much, travel. So I have been double vaxxed. I got my first vaccine in January, my second dose February 11th. And truth is, my life has not changed much so far. Um, My wife has now been double vaxxed. And at some point, we'll actually start resuming some things of what was normal life before March of last year. Now, I know there are those among us who have continued life pretty much uninterrupted. And there are others who've made some compromises in their lives, but continue to mostly live lives. Although I spent almost a year in semi-quarantine. And that was something that we made a decision as a family. I have uh, pre-existings that made me extra vulnerable to coronavirus. I never got it. And now we've been talking, my wife and I, for weeks about, well, maybe we go sit outside at a restaurant and eat a lunch or dinner, something we've not done in the last year plus. And it turns out that there's about a third of people, according to a new survey, who've been vaccinated, who are about where my wife and I are, that we feel a sense of relief being vaccinated. But according to a Harris poll, about a third of people are still like, yeah, I feel better about this, but I'm not quite ready to step out. A lot of those people, apparently, according to Harris, are waiting till we reach herd immunity, which is where we get to enough of a percent of the American people who've had the vaccination that we basically eliminate coronavirus as a threat. Uh, people who've been vaccinated have somewhere between a 1 in 20 and 1 in 10 chance of getting it anyway. And that's why there's that level of reluctance. And so we also have a certain percent of people who are thinking they're not going to get a vaccine to knowing they're not going to get a vaccine. And if that number stays low enough, we get to herd immunity. If that number is too large, we don't get herd immunity. And it means the economy, the economic activity continues at a slower speed. But I am looking so forward to doing things normally. And when I'm able to go to a sports event, eat indoors at a restaurant, um, travel is something that I absolutely can't wait to do. And all these things that people have been reluctant to do have held back the economy. But what you're going to see over the next many months is step by step, 
the economy will gain strength just because of the fact that people are getting out and doing things. One thing in particular, I read an item that was very touching about uh, grandparents for the first time since February of last year getting to be in the presence of their grandkids. And that one is a big one for anyone who's a grandparent to be able to be with their grandkid and to be even with their kids. A lot of people have not been with their adult children over this time period. So there's a lot of things that have have led us into these choices where we've restricted. And by the way, one thing that was really shocking to me is new data came out that found that there was very little difference in economic activity in states where there were government-imposed lockdowns and in states that didn't have lockdowns, that a certain percent of the population made the choices they were going to make to hibernate, and the economies had a certain amount of hibernation. So it means that we have a lot of capacity in the economy for growth, especially as person by person, people make those individual decisions to do things again. And as soon as we actually do something so simple as having a meal at a restaurant outdoors, I'll talk about that on the podcast because I know for people who've been living a life they've been engaged through this last year plus, I sound ridiculous, but the reality is there are a lot of people, like a third of people, that are in that mindset that I am, and we are the ones who need to reemerge to get the economy growing again. And there's a big urban-rural divide on this because I, uh, on the road trips I've taken to the beach, which uh, is the wonderful escape that I had through the last year plus, when I would go through rural areas and you'd stop somewhere, you'd see a very low mask wearing, very low percent of people mask wearing. And then in urban spaces, you'd see very high levels of mask wearing because I think people who normally aren't around a lot of people didn't see this as a real present risk to them. And those areas where people have not really changed their way of living they're not going to see the bounce back in the economic activity that actually urban and closer and suburban areas are going to see. But I can pretty much guarantee you we're going to see strong economic activity, um, hiring all the rest as we move through the rest of 21. It's time for your questions that you've posted for me at clark.com slash ask. And what are we starting with, Krista? Caitlin in South Carolina says, my husband and I are in our early 30s and maxing out two Roth IRAs. We don't have any employer-sponsored retirement plans. We're contributing to 529s for each of our kids. What should our next steps be for investing, or should we focus on paying off our mortgage, which is a 30-year at 2.85%? So Caitlin, the biggest thing you can do to benefit yourselves as a couple is to do an HSA. If you have health coverage that makes you eligible for a, uh, with a high deductible, makes you eligible for a health savings account, that is actually a superior way to save money 
than either the Roth IRA or the 529 plan. Because with the, um, fi- with the HSA, you get a tax benefit up front, the money grows tax-free through the years, and then you spend it tax-free. It is the runaway best way to stash cash. If you're not HSA eligible, then the next best thing for extra money you want to put aside is simple index funds, either a total stock market, broad market index fund, or an international index fund, or a variety of index funds, because they have very favorable treatment under the tax code with very little tax consequences each year. And when you do sell, you get very favorable, at least under today's tax code, uh, capital gains tax rates. And if you look at Fidelity, Fidelity has the zero funds where you pay no commissions to get in and no management fees for being in their zero index funds. Kathleen in Florida says, my mom got a three-page letter in the mail from a group called Fide- Inf- Infinity Insurance Company that said, among other things, that their security team detected indications of a potential security incident on December 26, 2020. There was no other identifying information, and my mom has no knowledge of having any business with this company. She presumes it's a scam, because that's usually her first thought, but wanted your opinion. I have never heard of this particular breach. It is legitimate, though. I did look it up, Clark. Oh, this really? letter was sent out. I don't know about um, Kathleen's mom's relationship with them, but yes. If you have some tangential, your mom has some tangential involvement with them, they may have been an owner of a company whose name is familiar to you in the insurance business, but not the name Infinity. So if it is, in fact, a legitimate notice of a breach, then what would you do? What should you do? Is with any breach, the stuff that they offer you with credit monitoring or whatever, that's a joke. They're offering you the ability to see things through an Experian one-year complimentary membership. What a joke. The real way you protect yourself, your mom protects yourself, is doing credit freeze which protects you against breaches you're aware of, like this one, and more important, the breaches that happen regularly that you don't know about. If you go to clark.com slash credit freeze, you'll see how easy it is to set up the credit freezes. And the best part, they're free. Mike in Utah says, my wife noticed a common Instagram and Facebook scam when entering a legitimate company giveaway by commenting or sharing a post. My wife was messaged by the company saying she won with a link to claim her prize. Only upon further inspection, we noticed the company's name was slightly misspelled or at times spelled the same, but a different user or page and not the legitimate company. The link asked for a slew of personal details and we were able to confirm with the real company that this was not them and indeed a scam. Be sure to double and triple check before you click that link and fill out that data. All right, good detective work on your part. But there's one other thing I want to say. Clicking on any hyperlink today has become very dangerous because even if you later bail out and don't give the personal information they're looking for, they may well load viruses onto your phone or your laptop that give them the ability to track you and uh, get into your personal information anyway. And I'm very, very skeptical 
of anything on social media that says you have ended up with an opportunity to win money, win prize, win free products, whatever. Uh, Coming straight ahead, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, travel. There's a lot of new news to share with you on that front. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My son is really excited today because today is the day that Royal Caribbean is taking reservations for the first cruise that looks like it's really going to happen with sailing starting the second week of June. Royal Caribbean uh, gave up on trying to meet the requirements that the U.S. government has for safe cruising. So they're going to launch a seven-night cruise out of the Bahamas that never stops at a U.S. port for that week. And so it'll be Bahamas round trip with a stop in the Yucatan in Mexico and also in the Bahamian island chain, Royal Caribbean has their own private island where they make all the concession money. And so it's a really profitable thing for them. And so this is the first real chance for uh, cruiseaholics who have been just hankering to get on a cruise ship to be able to book one. It's not on one of Royal Caribbean's uh, well-known ships. It's on the Adventure of the Seas. But it is a start for people who want to cruise. Now, be very careful with cruises on any line for what I call phantom bookings, where cruise lines are posting cruises as being available for booking, but the real purpose is just to bring money in. Cruise lines did not qualify for any government bailouts. They're very short of cash, and so they're posting cruises available and for sale for later this year, other cruises, that uh, who knows if they're going to happen, and then once they have your money, they're not giving it back. You'll just essentially have a gift certificate for travel later, and that is risky with your money. Now, Americans really, really want to go places. And I'm reading story after story how busy bookings are for places in the United States. And New York Times reported that Kayak has seen inquiries on summer travel go up 27% a week on average. On Hopper, there's been an increase of 75% in searches for late summer flights that people who have not felt comfortable traveling are like, hey, I got my vax, I can go do things. And so they are booking And things are, in fact, booking up. You're going to find that you're going to have to be more flexible than you might want with bookings. And very heavily, bookings are going to be in the United States, Mexico, some of the Caribbean 
because there's too much of a question mark about booking South America, Europe, or Asia. This funny thing I saw the other day, screaming deals to Peru. And I don't know if you've ever been to Peru. It's a fantastic destination. There were fares from a number of U.S. departure points in the 300s round trip to Lima. And I'm like, wow, that's great. So then I went and read the advisories on going to Peru. And at this moment, even if you, you have to test, you have to get a clear test for corona that you don't have it, a negative test. And then you have to quarantine 14 days when you get there when most people's vacations are seven days. So it, it is a reason, a good reason, to look at travel around the United States and nearby because we just don't know if in 21 there's going to be a legitimate opportunity to travel further afield outside the United States. Krista? Tyler in California says, my girlfriend and I will be traveling to Tulum in May. This is our first time traveling to Mexico. What do you recommend to prepare us for this trip from a safety perspective? Disposable phones, carry little cash. Do we keep the rest in our hotel room or use an ATM periodically? Travel during the daytime only, keep in tourist areas, etc. Tyler, there, there are crime issues in Mexico. As much as Mexico doesn't ever want to mention, there are issues with crime. But I think you're over-preparing in this case. Uh, you're going to be able to take your existing phone. It's possible someone would steal it, but not likely. Uh, most tourist areas you're going to be in are uh, pretty safe, uh, very safe, in fact. As far as cash, um, there are places in Mexico and tourist areas where you're going to like having some cash, but for the most part in Mexico, you're going to be able in tourist areas to use the credit cards you have as to whether or not you put things in a safe. I would do that. Using ATMs regularly, I don't recommend that. There have been security issues with ATMs in Mexico They've been very widely reported where your card information is captured as well as your PIN. Somebody, before you realize it, is withdrawing money from your account. Be very uh, sparing in pulling money out of ATMs. As far as traveling during daytime only, I think you've got to be on the ground for a while and assess how you're feeling, how safe it feels. Uh, But... I would say you're thinking and your question, should you stay in tourist areas only? With the nervousness I hear from you, I think I'd make that a statement, not a question. Stay in tourist areas on this trip. And when you feel more oriented, more comfortable, maybe on a future trip, then possibly you venture farther afield. Scott in Florida says, I keep receiving solicitations for a home equity investment. My home is free and clear, and I'm trying to find potential drawbacks. Essentially, as you probably know, they purchase a share of your equity and then and share in the equity appreciation or loss when the share is paid back, which could be up to 30 years with no payment. It has some upfront fees that come out of funds dispersed that seem on par with a HELOC. 
Essentially, my home has tripled in value since I purchased it, and I'm currently looking at a $25,000 HEI investment to renovate with no potential repayment for 30 years. What say you, Clark? I would much rather you, in a position where you own your home free and clear, not give up any of that wonderful equity you have. I'd rather you take out your HELOC to do the improvements and pay it back or do a home equity loan which often is done by a credit union, typically has very decent rates. If you pay it off in five years, you'd have that fixed rate. You'd be able to do those improvements. You know, you work too hard to get to where you own that home free and clear. I don't want you giving up a portion of that equity. Paul in Florida says, my 18-year-old is going to college in the fall. I want to get her a credit card with a limit. The bank has given me a choice. One would be my card with her as an authorized user. The other would be a joint card with both of us as equal users. She is a responsible young adult. The bank recommends the joint card as it will make it easier for her to establish a credit history. Which do you recommend? Paul, I'm fascinated that your bank is recommending a joint card because I just talked recently on the podcast how uh, joint credit cards almost don't exist anymore, that banks have found that they create all kinds of hassles and legal problems for their customers. Uh, Make your child an authorized user on one of your accounts, and then once your child's enrolled full-time in college, a college student can apply for a college student credit card. They are pretty easy to obtain, Having made your child an authorized user means that they will already have an established credit identity and they should be able to get that college student card. One that I like as a beginner is the Discover student card. It seems to be the cleanest, most straight up of the student credit cards out there. Ron in Florida has two questions. The first is, we've just paid off our home, which was built in 2010. Would you recommend that we purchase and maintain title insurance? Well, first of all, title insurance is something that you get when you buy your home, and it's required by the lender. You're talking about having title insurance to protect you. That is best purchased, again, back in 2010 when you got your original home loan. To add uh, owner's title policy now will be more expensive, but it will protect your rightful ownership of the property. The question would be, is there anything particular about your home? You built it yourself, the land that it sits on, are there any things that are glaring there that you may in fact be at risk? I would get a quote for getting an owner's title policy as a standalone now, because it'd be good to have. But if there's very little doubt at all about the chain of ownership of the land you built the home on, then maybe next time you get a home, you buy an owner's title policy simultaneously with the one a lender would require, but not necessarily add one now. And then second, Ron says, we were curious whether the PMI protected individuals that defaulted on their mortgages back during the 2008 financial and housing crash. Wouldn't these people have been protected financially and credit-wise because they had the foresight to have PMI? Uh, Good question. PMI is not to protect you. It only protects the lender. Um, People with 
Smaller down payments were generally required to have private mortgage insurance, but it's one of those things you're paying for an insurance product that is not to protect you. It's only there to protect the mortgage company. So that would make no difference at all. I want to thank you for being a part of Team Clark. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe, review us, and share with your friends.